Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, who is probably just like me and hope we're finally done with the violent childbirths on the show, Ryan Nelson. Oh, man. Yes. 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 Uh, We learned two big things. Uh, never keep a family secret from Damon Targaryen. Oh, yeah, definitely don't do that. And never swear your sons not to fight. Yeah. You knew one or both of them was going to die. <laughs> yeah. He did that. It didn't feel real good about about them coming into this after they after he, uh, that little scene there where she told them not to fight. But uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy it as we talk about the season finale of House of the Dragon titled The Black Queen on HBO and HBO Max. If you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, 10 or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, though, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review while you're over there on Apple Podcasts. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. All right, we have reached the end of the first season of House of the Dragon. It has been quite the thrill ride since the beginning of this thing back in September. Uh, actually, back in August, now that I think about it. Uh, so, general thoughts on what you saw here in the season finale. It lived up to all the hype, and I want season two now. <laughs> yeah, talk about it. <laughs> uh, it, it. It started the war, yes. and we know it is going to be deadly and costly for this family. Yes. And I, this, you knew things were going too good in the middle of this episode. We're like, Hey, we can get the Baratheons and we can get the Starks. And all these right. people started showing up for Rhaenyra. It's like, it's going too good. It's going too good. Right. You knew something bad was coming. Yeah. You, you felt something bad was coming. Uh, I like this episode a lot. Uh, there is one issue I do have with it and we'll get into that in just a little bit, but I did, I did like this episode a, a quite a bit. Uh, it's just a reflection of my entire thought on the entire show for the, for the most part is that this has been a great show. It's been just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, there are some issues in terms of time jumps, which I'm hoping we are, I, yeah. I, I'm hoping we're done with. I, I will imagine obviously there's going to be a little bit of a time jump going into season two, just because I'm sure we'll probably be right in the middle of the war by the right, time right. we, by the time we actually start season two, but these big, huge, you know, t- you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and I'm not that long, but five, 10 year jumps. I think it will do a lot better if they get past that. But like I said, I think we will be at least a few, a little bit into the war when season two starts. Uh, one of the things that was pretty obvious, at least about halfway through this episode, is it seemed pretty obvious that nine and ten are really kind of one giant episode together uh, because yep. you get yep. episode nine where it's all from the greens perspective it's all from the high towers perspective and episode 10 it is completely from the targaryen perspective or the black perspective so that became pretty obvious about halfway through when i realized that we weren't going to have anybody of the greens show up on dragonstone uh there was uh, obviously high uh, auto high tower does auto, yeah but he wasn't there if none of the war actually started i was wondering if that was going to be the case uh the, we'll obviously talk about that final scene here in just a little bit but this is setting the stage for for Rhaenyra to learn about her father's death she and what she has to do to respond to it 
And what's also just what this episode seems to really be about is you almost get basically the the contrast that we had in Damon and Viserys. It's now being transferred from Damon and Viserys to Damon and Rhaenyra yeah. in this episode, which you kind of could see coming a little bit because I mean the one of the things that they've tried to tell us in this is yes, obviously there's a track there's an attraction between Damon and Rhaenyra, but it's never really been a healthy attraction to say the least because these are yeah. two i mean obviously you know uncle and and niece that's one problem but the other problem is they're two kind of volatile people and especially especially damon and yes. it's not necessarily a good personality mix uh but let's go ahead and kind of get into this we uh, start off the episode with they start the episode with Rhaenyra and and Luke or Lyceris, uh Targaryen. They are actually uh, Valerian. I forget he actually has the name of Valerian. Uh, they are they we, they start the episode with these two. She is talking to her son, and I felt like it was going to go somewhere with with these two. I, I wasn't really sure where, but obviously we know now. But what did you think when we see these two interacting together to begin? Yeah, pardon the pun, but it was a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> Something was coming at the end. Yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, because when I saw that, I was like, you just don't start with this scene between the two of them where Luke is basically saying, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm up to this. I don't feel like I'm I'm good enough. I mean, he even says, you know, I'm not like you. I'm not perfect. And, sh and she's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not perfect. And it's a great scene between the two of them because you can tell that she truly loves her children. I mean, yes, she, she absolutely adores them. But the one thing that has been clear since we've seen Luke is he's not cut out for this. He is not cut out for this role of being, you know, you know, he says, I, I don't need Driftmark. I can't do Driftmark. My, my grandsire was one of the greatest sailors ever. I'm not that. I get, he's like, I get seasick. You know, I, there's no yeah. reason for me to be, to be in this role. And she, she tries to relate to him, you know, that that was the case when, when your other grandfather made me the, the uh, heir to the throne. And she's trying to relate to him. But, there is a difference in the two of them. And this kind of goes into the fact that, you know, he's not a Targaryen. I mean, as much as they want it to be, he is not a Targaryen. There's something about that. Now, his brother, we got a little bit more interesting background or at least a little bit more of an interesting view on his brother. Because when we see his older brother, uh, Jaceris, who they, go, they call him Jace, when we see him for the first time, he is like... Started to look a little bit more like Eamon, the fact that he, when they're training together, he's just kind of like bullying his little brother. I thought that was interesting. Right. I thought that was interesting. And remember, he ran in and wanted to work with Damon. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we're seeing he, I think he's tired of the bullying that he was getting. He's like, we need to fight back. Yeah, that, that felt very apparent as well. Yeah. Uh, after we get the scene with, with Rhaenyra and with Luke. We've transitioned into the scene where Rhaenys comes in and tells Damon and Rhaenyra that Viserys is dead. This is the only issue I have with this. Because when we end episode 9, we end episode 9 with Rhaenys breaking through the floor of the dragon pit. She's looks like she's about to tell her dragon Maelys to just light everybody up on that stage. She doesn't do it. She, she, she holds off. And when she comes back, she says, you know, Damon's a little upset with him, uh, her about this. She's like, you yeah. could have just ended this right now. And she's like, that wasn't my word of fight, which that part of it I liked. But when they crown Rainier, when they crown Rhaenyra as queen here after uh, the childbirth, which we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah we, we got to talk about that. Uh, but as uh, after they do that, after they crown her, everybody bows but her. And they're putting it forward in, in, when they're going through after they do the planning session as well. And, and Damon says, you know, we have, he's listing all these dragons that they have. He says, we also have Maylise. And you see her kind of give a side. I'm like, uh, you don't necessarily have me. What yeah. I don't, what I didn't get, which, like I said, the one thing I kind of didn't like is, all right, so why do you make the show? Why do you do what you do at the end of episode nine if you aren't? actually giving your allegiance to Rhaenyra, which she eventually does by the time we get to this end of this episode. But I don't know. 
if I'm doing what she does at the end of episode nine, because that basically makes her an enemy to Aegon, if you're not going to pledge your allegiance to Rhaenyra, why do that at episode nine? Did did you have any That's issue good, with that? I do now that you really talk it out. Yeah, because it makes no sense, and also the fact that the sea snakes, you know, who later mm-hmm. told you he was going to be alive, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, huh, yeah, this isn't our war. I'm done. Right. You know, let's retire and just enjoy our grandchildren. She's like, no, we need to fight. I'm like. You've been playing off that you're not doing anything. Well, I will say this: I, I liked by the time we get to that point where she has that, where she has that scene with with Corliss, she sees a change because it looks like at that point she's just Rhaenyra is just ready to plunge the is just ready to plunge the kingdom into war. It looks like she's just ready to do what everybody else has done. But the moment right. she has that hesitation, she has that that idea like, you know what, I at least need to consider what Allison is sending me. I think that changes Rhaenys's... Okay. I, I think that changed her view. She's like, okay, because that, she even tells Corliss, you know, the only thing that's holding the kingdom together at this point is the fact that Rhaenyra is showing some restraint, as whereas everybody else is trying yeah, to tell her to put in the room. Like I said, but yeah. it was up until that point, though, I'm like... Why do you like basically just completely challenge Aegon's legitimacy as heir and not go to and you're going to Rhaenyra and now you're not just completely on board with her? Like I said, that didn't really make sense to me. She says, you know, it's because of her loyalty to her cousin, the king. But like I said, that just never made sense because like, you yeah. made yourself an enemy to Aegon, and if you don't pledge your loyalty to Rhaenyra, you're gonna make yourself an enemy to her as well at some point. So like I said, right. a part of that didn't make sense, and that's the only part of this I really didn't like. But when she does tell Rhaenyra that her father is dead, you see just the sadness that comes over Rhaenyra because she loves her father. And it took a while for her to get there. Well, it's kind of one of those things where we, we kind of forget at the beginning of this entire show, those two didn't have that great of a relationship. Right, right, right. So it has come a long ways in, in the time since then. So, you know, we've had basically 28 years, according to the timeline of the show, for them to kind of figure things out. And, they, and for the most part, they do. But the moment she says that they have put Aegon on the throne, they have usurped her throne, she starts to go into labor, and like I, said, I didn't really know how far along she was, but they do tell us she's not done. This is not full yeah. term, and this is a problem. She's bleeding, uh, and this we get the just the the bloody, violent childbirth scene. You know, I think they're trying to make us think that she might suffer the same consequences that of childbirth her that mother. Her, her mother did. I kind of thought they might yeah. be doing that. Thankfully, I, I thought so too. Yeah. But thankfully they don't because she she ends yeah. up not dying. But she won't. Ref- I don't get why she wouldn't take help from anybody. I, I, that's another thing I just yeah. never really understood. I guess because it's this is her war. I guess so, and that's yeah. kind of one of the things they talked about in the end. Is you know, right. mother, but it was, motherhood is the battlefield and all that type yeah. of stuff for them. So, so look, can we stop the childbirth? I'm with I'm you. This so. needs yes. me. A, I, I I don't have children, and there's a reason. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> it, well, that's, here's the thing. I mean, even in regular childbirth, because I mean, I have two children. Uh, I don't know. Just the it's the way it is presented in the show, and yes. they're doing it for a reason. It's because they want it to. That's one of the constant themes throughout this, and it's one of the things that Rainier talks about. It's one of the things that uh, they talked about for women and, and the queen. You know, producing heirs. That's the, the the battlefield of of childbirth is like their is like their wars, and it's the reason why they're presenting childbirth in the way that they present it. And it is an obvious difference in the way they show childbirth from episode six, the first time that Rhaenyra has a baby on screen, yeah. and this one. It is a very different experience. It's a very different. It's a different way that they that they show us. Whereas the first time that she goes through it, yes, it is difficult. It is a hard thing that she goes through, but it is nothing like what she's going through here in episode ten, where the baby is coming early, uh, and she kind of just like pulls the baby out of her. Uh, and obviously, the baby's stillborn. Uh, it, it you could tell that it was not fully developed. Yeah. Uh, it, but like I said, it's I, I, I we get the point. Yeah. <laughs> No, no one has done more for the birth control industry than this show. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, I mean, like, look, I, the I, best I, advertisement they could ever have. Exactly. I mean, I'm, th- I'm getting my vasectomy tomorrow. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I've seen. I mean, I've seen two C sections. My wife had had two C sections. She had one with our son and one with our daughter, and none of that is nearly as 
as graphic. None of it. I like, I've seen like my wife's innards come out of her body and like, oh. like that's what C-sections do. And like, none of yeah. that is nearly as graphic as this. So like I said, they're doing it for a purpose and I get that, but man, it was rough to watch for a, for a second time in this, in this Series. show. Schedule vasectomy tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so, uh, and what's interesting is, you know, she's giving a, she's having talked to her two sons in the midst of all this. Oh, uh, but one of the things I, I'm glad that we got back in this is, uh, look, I love this show much, so much more when Damon is involved. I really, yeah. really do. Yeah. We didn't get it him was last a week. Great episode for him. A lot of emotional, yeah. Like, because you could tell he was upset by by Viserys. Then the baby happened, and then you even see him crying mm-hmm, break do. down. And it has to be both those things because he had to he had to be strong for about Viserys. He right. was like. No, no, no. This is, and I feel like this was showing him he finally had had enough. He needed to, and you know, he's he's seen so much death of the, yeah, the last time jumps. It's hard to keep up, but right. you know, he finally broke down. Yeah, and we kind of got a, we the last few episodes we've kind of forgotten that you know he's as as much as he is a dynamic and as much as presence as he has on screen, he's still a pretty awful person <laughs> we, oh yeah and we yeah. we kind of had forgotten about that the last couple episodes they don't really show us that in this episode they remind us because he starts choking yeah. out rhaenyra when she's like even hesitating to plunge the kingdom into war and she starts telling the the, visi- the vision about the, the the promised prince and all this type of stuff she's, song of ice and fire yeah the song of ice and fire when she starts telling him this this just sets damon completely off and like, yeah. go ahead. do you think it's because he didn't know, or because she wasn't going to war and she was like her father, or well, a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit because she's like her father. Uh, is that's part of it, and this idea of being so beholden to a vision, being so beholden to a dream. Yeah. It's obviously that Damon does not share that because that was always the big difference between Damon and Viserys. Viserys is he's the dreamer. Viserys is a guy who doesn't. He's not a warrior. He doesn't enjoy war. He doesn't like any of that. And that's what Damon's all about. I mean, Damon, it's, it's it's what he knows. He knows war. He knows battle. And he doesn't really know how to do diplomacy except to go, like, kill the person that is right. in, in your way. So, like I said, it's she, as much as he, lo- he loved his brother, and that's I think that's obvious, they were very much, you know, uh, I don't know what, what the, they just didn't mix together. And, Anytime that they spin around each other, it always ended up leading to Damon getting cast out of the and being, uh, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not ex- I guess exp- it's not expelled. I can't well, remember what the word yeah. is, but but you know what I'm saying. Excommunicated or yeah, you know, uh, yeah. we 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 get it. Like I said, there's yeah, an actual yeah. word I can't think of well, off the top of my head. But like I was gonna say, I think part of it too is like he's like, and we saw this in that crazy battle he had. I think he was like, damn it, am I going to have to do this myself? Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to be king, right. and here I go again. i got to save everybody. Yeah. I think that was a part of his anger as well. Yeah, I think I think you might be right about that. Exiled is the word I'm thinking of. Exiled, about. yes, yes. He always ended we up were so exiled. close on the X. On the X. <laughs> I just couldn't remember what is it. What is this next word? But, uh, yeah, like I said... It, <sighs> And Damon, like I said, he has a lot. He has a lot going on in this episode. So we got the anger, we got the sadness, and we also got him going and I guess trying to tame a, a wild dragon. Uh, yeah, this is the. I looked it up because I was like, "Who is this?" Because at first, for a second, I was like, "Does he have the other dragon? Uh, is he trying to steal Aegon's Vagar?" Dragon? Yeah, that was Vagar. Vagar yeah, mm. but this is uh, Vermeer. It's the second biggest. He's Vagar's Vermeer, the biggest. Yeah, Vermeer is right there with Vagar, and uh, that's you know, and Damon. I think he knows that, regardless of how many dragons they have, and it becomes pretty obvious because, like, when the three dragons oh, fly yeah. away, like, and you see Luke on his, like, oh, that's a tiny little dragon. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to strike a whole lot of fear into the hearts of too many people. That little dragon that yeah. they have is, but. Uh, what'd you say the name of this one that he's trying to go tame is? Vermeer. Vermeer, and it, I'm guessing he's successful because he comes up to Vernier at the end yeah. of it. So, uh, but like I said, I did like that scene. I like the fact that he's singing this little song, and yeah. you know, I love the fact that Damon has the confidence that he can walk up to this 
gigantic dragon and like just stare it in the face and say, you know what, I'm going to be your master. And it's this is the way that it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, but he also has a scene here at Dragonstone that is very reminiscent of episode two, where he is meeting with Hot Otto Hightower, where Otto Hightower is basically accusing him of, of treason back at that point as well. And now at this point, he's saying, all right, now I have the new king and you better come and deal with us. You've also got Rhaenyra flying in behind them like she did in uh, the second episode as an ally to Otto at that time. Now she is a sworn enemy at this point. I love the fact that when she flies in behind them, she has to walk through them because at that point, they can just kill her right there and, and yeah. be done with this. But she has the confidence. She knows she's got that dragon sitting on the wall. And if they try to do anything, they know that they're going to get lit up at that point. Like I said, that confidence in that power play is just fantastic. Uh, I, I love the way they use the dragons to they show do. power. Mm-hmm. They do, because that is the uh, it's what sets them apart. And it's one of the things that when they're kind of doing this battle planning here about midway through the episode is one of the people that are around the table i don't remember who it was but he says you know all this talk about men is great and all when let's yeah what do you do when you talk about our allies and all that type of stuff but he's like what makes you people kings is not men it's your dragons and they start reeling off all the dragons that they have and all the dragons that they might could end up getting uh they do mention sea smoke i was wondering what happened to him that was uh laner's dragon and He's still out there somewhere. We don't really know exactly where uh, he is, but he's, they know that he's still out there, and he just hasn't been claimed by anybody since Lander has, quote-unquote, passed away. Uh, but like I said, it, that's one of the things that they, they talk about, and we get a lot of that. We get a lot of the dragon showing off in this one. We get the dragon showing off with Rhaenyra. We get the boys talking about their dragons quite a bit. Uh, Jace, obviously, has a lot of confidence with his dragon. Uh, you've got... The, the the most menacing part of this episode, you knew things were going to go poorly because when Luke shows up at was it, is it called Sea Bottom? What is the name of uh, what is the name of uh, uh, it was Sea Bottom or something like that? I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Storm Bottom, Storm Bottom, Storm Bottom. And I love how that guy looked like Robert Baratheon. Yeah, he did. He looked a lot like him. I thought that was really nice, a nice touch. But when Luke gets there and he lands his dragon, he hops off. The first thing we see is Vagar is over there in all of Vagar, and it's a girl. Uh, Vagar's yeah. huge, giant splendor. You know, like taking oh. up that whole area. Yeah, exactly. And Amon, you know, Amon is there, and so you know that you know that that little scene is not going to end well. So, like I said, the, the use of the dragons in this one was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then we'll talk about the end scene here in just a little bit, but. I, like I said, I loved everything uh, about the way that they use the dragons. This is the, their most effective use, and we're we're going to see a lot more of them. I, I think it makes sense to do it the way they did because we don't get a ton of dragons in this season. We get some, and we get some. We get more dragons in certain parts of this, but it's like okay, we need to know that we're going to have a little bit of a bigger budget to really go right. down the dragon road. And they had to make sure that they knew that for a second season. You know, you got the people hooked in, you got the viewers coming in. So, you know, you're going to, ha- this show is going to get a little bit of a bigger budget next, next season. And they can really kind of delve into that. And I, so I think that's kind of smart. Uh, it does make me upset a little bit because we didn't get as much dragons I would have hoped for, but you know what? I think we'll get a quite bit of it next season yeah, to say yeah. the least. Um, some other things about this episode. We get Corliss back, which we both talked about this. We, we felt like it was significant that in episode, I guess, eight is when they first start talking about the possibility of him dying. They yeah. don't show him. They don't show his dying. They don't show him dying. And he is back. He's not quite fully recovered, but he is back. And we talked about this a second ago. Corliss is ready to just say, you know what? We're just going to be out here on Driftmark and we're going to be fine. he's like we're done with both of these we're done with all this it's cost us our children there's been so much death because of of this war and trying to pursue the crown and he's over it he's like you know what i'm done and that's when renice kind of kicks in says after having convinced by rhaenyra because of the fact that she is showing restraint and she actually is considering the offer that auto hightower has brought to her from alicent that bit of restraint that she is showing has kind of changed her opinion of Rhaenyra. It's just like what Alicent did in the previous episode kind of changed her opinion of Alicent. Rhaenyra has now kind of changed her opinion as well because she is doing something that she seems wise and it's reinforcing the idea that 
This is the person who should have been king, not Viserys. Yeah. It kind of is reinforcing yeah. that. Yeah. A uh, couple of things. One, love having uh, Lord Corliss yes. back. Steve Toussaint. Fantastic. What a, what a fantastic actor. Also, I love, I, we've mentioned this before, they have the best marriage because they listen to each they other. Mm-hmm. They love each other, and you, they get on the same page. They do, yeah. So, so you've got to respect their marriage. Also, this just hit me. Lucerus was the sea snake's favorite. You yeah, could he was. tell yeah. it, the scenes we saw, it was with them. He was really upset when he was the one mentoring him. It's like, you got to be ready for this. They're right. going to come after you specifically. And so does this bring him back to health? And even a older, unhealthy sea snake. I mean, supposedly he was the right. one of the top warriors. Is this going to bring out some hell for him? I'm where sure. he's going to? Yeah, yeah, I feel like it will. I, I really do. I feel like maybe I think one of the reasons why why Lucerus was his favorite is because he knew that Luke was supposed to get his kingdom. I mean, his his mm-hmm. kingdom at Driftmark. He's supposed to get that that part of his inheritance. So I think that's one of the reasons why he really focused in on Luke is because he knew that this is the boy that I that needs to take my place. We need to get him ready. So I think that's one of the reasons why he was his favorite. And that does cause an issue because now there is no heir for Driftmark at this point. So yeah. they've got to they've figure that out. Go ahead. And he loved these. Yeah, he loved. loved these oh yeah, he, had, he loved them. I mean, that that is quite obvious. Despite the fact that he knew that those weren't actually his grandsons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, look, there was some pragmatism involved in it because I mean, he knew he wasn't ever going to question their legitimacy. Right. But he knew that, that those weren't his grandchildren. But he still loved them anyway. Right. And like I said, it's, it says a lot for Cloridus, and it, like part of it is you know self serving because it does mean that his last name has something to do with the throne and all that type of stuff. But nevertheless. He comes across as a really honorable person. Look, I don't know if that's the way he is portrayed in the books. Neither one of us have read them, so I don't really know how he's portrayed in the books. But it works well. Like I said, what you mentioned earlier, them having the best marriage is 100% correct. Because, yes, they fight. And, yes, they don't get along at certain times. And they don't agree about things. But they come to an understanding. And they convince each other of of their points. They, They communicate. And like I said, there's there's some tension there between the two of them at times, but it yeah. they do eventually get themselves on the same page, and it works out really well. It, it is a great and, picture of a of a marriage. And he really respects her, especially being a male during mm-hmm. that period. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of respect for her, and I think that's another yeah. great thing that they show. And like I said, I love their relationship. I love the fact that you know. She talks him. He, she talks him into supporting Rhaenyra, and he goes down. And you, because that's one of the things that's kind of up for grabs at this point is who is the person who controls the largest navy? Who is going? Who is he going to support? Because that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Is yeah. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to support you. And that kind of like wakens her up just a little bit because she's at this point has been very much. I don't know if I want to go to war. I don't know. And she still isn't just completely on board with challenging the throne when uh corliss says you have the support of me you have the support of my entire navy she's still not completely on board so that's the reason why she's sending her sons out to go get the uh to basically reinforce their the vows that were given by their fathers so she's not completely on board but you can tell she's much more on board with it than she was prior to uh corliss coming down and saying hey we're going to support you in this so one of the things I thought that was really a a really well done part of this episode is the moment when she says she wants to send you know a, a message to uh, Brat the Brathians, she wants to send a message to the Starks, she wants to send a message to the Vale. Uh, when she's sending these messages out, one of the things I thought that was very interesting about it was it's kind of recalling this idea that we saw earlier when when. Viserys would not send Rhaenyra out right. to kind of take care of things, even though she was a dragon rider. He wouldn't do it. And you kind of see, in this episode, you kind of see the wisdom of that in that situation because of the fact that it's putting those children in danger, even if they are coming in peace, because you're, if you send somebody as a messenger without the... you know, with the understanding that they are not going to take part in any battle, they're supposed to be there's there's certain rights and things that are involved with that that you don't do and you don't it's it's the where we get the phrase don't shoot the messenger 
is, right, is right. if you give if somebody's coming just with a message you don't harm them because they're just delivering it they they have nothing to do with the person who actually made the decision like that's where we get that decision so I, I liked the fact that they're kind of calling back to that yeah and it looks like i decided to look up looks like luceris was 14 yeah he was 14 because she, she says that at the beginning when oh, okay i missed that okay. yeah she says that at the beginning when they're having that discussion uh, you know she said i was the exact same age as you i was uh four and ten or maybe she does say actually 14 i can't remember but she does mention his age so okay. uh let's go ahead and get to this final scene so she sends out her two boys to deliver messages uh she's given luke the shorter route to get to uh apparently storm's bottom is closest to dragonstone uh jace is headed to the Vale, and he's also headed to house stark i feel like those two are obvious allies and they're going to easily go into allegiance with rhaenyra it's obviously the baratheons which makes sense because the baratheons are the ones who challenge and end up taking the throne from the targaryens yeah, in, yeah. in game of thrones yeah yeah uh but so she sends she sends luke to the baratheons to remind them of their allegiance and that's exactly what she's saying she says i need to remind you of what it is that your father did but when she gets when he gets there it's obvious that aemon is there because vagar is off in the corner uh and luke shows up he brings the message in uh whichever baratheon this is i don't remember what they said the, the name of this one is but the, whichever baratheon this is he's insulted because aemon comes yeah. and he shows up and basically the Aegon has said you can marry you can marry one of your daughters to to my brother Aemond here, and you'll have all this uh, you'll have these lands and all this type of stuff. And Luke is coming with nothing. Luke is already betrothed to one of his cousins. He has nothing to offer except for the fact that Rhaenyra is saying, "Look, your father pledged your loyalty to me," and so this this ticks off the Baratheon, and he says, basically go back to your mom and tell her that there's no way I'm coming back to him. Uh, but before yeah. that, Eamon become does an Eamon thing. Uh, the boy starts, Luke starts to turn around. He starts to walk away and Eamon approaches him and says, I want your eye because you took mine. And this is like I said, this is Eamon being Eamon. Mm. And this isn't going well for either of them. No. And that was Lord Boris. Boris. Baratheon. That's right. Boris Baratheon. Uh, but like I said, this isn't going well because uh, Boris knows that you know this boy came in as a messenger. He's supposed this. He's supposed to be awarded some some rights of peace, and we're not going to have this at this point. And Aemon is he's not having because this is what Aemon does. Aemon is volatile, like his his uncle Damon is. Uh, like I said. I I would really didn't know where they were going with this. Uh, I was like, are they going to have them duke it out here? But Boris says no. Escort him out. He has his guards escort him out to his dragon. And when you see that Vagar is gone, you're like, oh crap, this isn't going to go well. Yeah, no. Uh, no, that that wasn't good. You knew it was bad. Yeah, you knew it was bad at that point. So he gets on Arax. He's flying away, and he he's looking all the time. He's like, where's 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 Vagar? Where's Vagar? Where's Vagar? And this is where we get into the thing that they talked about at the very beginning of this show. At the end of episode one, when Viserys is talking to Rhaenyra about the Song of Ice and Fire, one of the things that he says is, dragons are a power that we never should have trifled with. We never should have dealt with it because ultimately we can't truly control them. Yeah, we, we ride them and we have some we have some control over them, but we can't completely control them. Look, Aemond is a piece of crap for basically being a bully. I don't think yeah. he wanted him to die. I don't think he wanted to kill yeah. him. He just wanted to yeah. scare the bejesus out of him. Yeah. But the problem is you're on a giant beast and yes. a very volatile beast, and that's a problem because Erex uh, and Jace, I'm sorry, Erex and Luke, they, successful, they successfully avoid uh, Vagar and Aemon by going into this narrow crease because Vagar is just way too big to get into that little section. So, you know, it's a credit to, it's a credit to Luke and to Eric for, for being able to maneuver and get into a place where they, they could actually get away. But Eric's is a dragon and it is a creature that they truly don't have a complete control over. And Eric's has been challenged and the, being a dragon, it wants to go after Vagar. And when it does, because he's sitting there saying, no, Eric, no, Eric, you have to obey me. You have to listen to me. Yeah, calm, calm. Yeah, he's saying all this stuff, and he lights up Vagar, and this is when neither of them have any control over their base. Yeah. 
Uh, Eric's looks like he's gotten away, but Vagar comes flying up and and eats both of them for the most part. Yeah. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah, uh, yeah because it it didn't look like Aegon was. I don't think he was leading him over there. No, he, he wasn't. Was like, yeah, like you said, they had no control over this. Beast. Yeah, once once Eric ends up attacking Vagar, Vagar is going to go after Eric's regardless. It, it, it makes no yeah. difference. There's nothing that Eamon can say at that point that will do it. And, and you know, he's saying that as he's getting ready to attack, he's uh, after Eric attacks him, he's telling him, "No, no, listen to me, listen to me." And like I said, it's the thing that both of them are saying. Neither of them wanted to really truly engage like i said amond is just trying to bully him and trying to scare him that's all he's trying to do because amond is a piece of crap and that's just what he does but the fact they're riding these beasts that they truly ultimately they don't have any control over it ends up being you know the cause of war because the moment that damon who has been given the news by someone that uh that luke is dead once he delivers the news to Rhaenyra, you see the Luke look in her eye, and you're like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> if War there was, has begun. Yeah, if there was any hope for peace at all at, at this in this show in between these two families, that's done. It's gone. It's over at this point. And yeah. and, and shout out to Elliot Greholt who played Lucerus. He did yes. a very good job. Yeah, he really did. His his first acting role. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought he did a better job than Jace at this point, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. I, I yeah. like him a lot more. He's a more nuanced character, in my opinion, than, than Jace is at this point. Jace seems to be kind of going down the role of, I'm just going to take out whoever stands in my way. Luke had a little bit more nuance to him than I think uh, Jace does. We'll see what they do with the characters as they go forward, uh, yeah. which we'll have to wait and see on. So, uh, just uh, This is a really good show. It, it's just really solid from start to beginning uh we talked about this in the past i don't know you know i i don't agree with the people or said i don't agree with them i can get past the time jumps and it's a it's a turn off for some people uh but i like i said i've enjoyed it from start to finish and i can't wait to see what they do yeah. in season two so yeah I'm, I'm with you the only thing you can really complain about is the time jumps and yeah. the recastings right it, yeah, it makes it that, it makes it difficult to attach on to some yeah. of these characters but other than that like i said it's it's just yeah. it's just a really solid show so yeah uh anything else you want to discuss about this episode before we get into season awards uh no, no i feel like we've covered it all and uh I'm ready. I'm ready for the season awards. I'm ready for season two. <laughs> That's right. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Here on the main attraction ep- uh, on the main attraction podcast, whenever we finish a season of a show, we do six awards that are all based on the six characters of Friends. Up first, we have the Rachel, who is the star of the show. Where did you go with for uh, who did you go with for the Rachel for the first season of House of the Dragon? All right. So Matt Smith is the obvious choice. He is. He's the obvious choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. I went ahead because we're gonna have to do some codes. I added Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook because they were so great these last couple of episodes, mm-hmm. and you—they're going to be leading us into right. you know uh, season two. And you know, I was so concerned about what was coming with them, and they were just incredible. Yeah. So I, I, I added them as well. Here's the reason I'm not putting Matt Smith there is because I need I needed him for another role. So well, I understand. So I'm I'm saving him somewhere else. I'm just going with I'm basically going I'm throwing in the two uh, that played the child versions of Rhaenyra and Allison as well. Those those two characters played by all four of those ladies. Yeah. Is really it was really really something. So I'm putting all four of them as my. Uh, as my Rachel for this, because they were, look, they are the, they are the two primary characters for this show. I mean, it's, it's kind of told through the eyes of both Allison and Rhaenyra. And I loved everything that they did in in this, both by the child actors or they're not technically children, but the younger actors and the uh, older actors as well. So, uh, next is the Joey, the person who isn't necessarily the star of the show, but a character you just loved. Who did you go with for your Joey? Uh, I went with uh, Patty Constantine as Viserys. As did I. I went with him as well. Uh, he's going to be missed. He's going to be. He's going to be missed a lot. And we talked about this, and I've said this on a couple of occasions. To me, he's one of the most underrated characters in a show ever. Oh it, yeah, because yeah. he was so good at his role. Look, it's hard to play the role that he does and still be liked and still be loved. Uh, I mean. He gets the title Viserys the Peaceful in this because of the fact that he doesn't—he's constantly trying to negotiate peace 
not necessarily for his first kingdom. We don't really see him in, in too many odds with in his kingdom. Obviously, they got the triarchy that causes his problem causes his causes him problems a couple of times throughout the course of the season. But the people he's having to negotiate the peace between are his own family, and uh, he's constantly having to to deal with that. And it was difficult. And like I said, the way that he handled it. And the way that Patty Constantine shows it in his portrayal of the character is just fantastic throughout the course of it. Yeah. Uh, next is the Chandler, the person who made you laugh the most. Where'd you go for this one? Well, I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, and that was probably the biggest person on the left. But I went with uh, Eve Best as Renice and Steve Toussaint as the Sea Snake, Lord Corliss. Okay. Uh, Renice actually had some funny scenes. She did. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I loved both their characters, and I thought they brought a, a lot to the show. And quite frankly, I'm glad they're alive. Yeah, in season two. So I, I wanted to shout them out somewhere. Yeah, so obviously the person, when I said I was saving uh, Matt Smith's Damon Targaryen for another role, this is where I'm saving him for, because he did make me laugh quite a bit. Uh, look, yeah. you know, I will never forget laughing as much as I did when... Uh, when Vaymans is trying to usurp the Driftmark throne, and he's he's he, and Matt Smith says says, "Go ahead, say it, say it." <laughs> he's like, yeah. him "Say it!" Like I love that. Oh, I just absolutely loved it. He can now keep his tongue. He can keep his tongue. Yes, that was another fantastic one. So, like I said, that's the uh, that's where and, I went for the Chandler. Him, him laughing at the funerals. Yeah, I know that's another one. I mean, you you, you just can't. I mean, he. Right. I, I love Matt Smith. I mean, he yeah. is. Um, you're right about the fact that he's being the star. But I had, like I said, I wanted to save him because I couldn't uh, think of anybody else for. I couldn't think of anybody else in terms of laughs. So, uh, next is the Phoebe. Who is your Phoebe? Which is the oddball of the show? I don't. There has only one, and it's Mister Feet himself. Oh well, yeah, Fogg. that's true. Yeah, he is. Uh-huh. That, that you're correct about that. I didn't. I didn't put him here, and I'll, I'm going to tell you why I put him somewhere else later on in just a second here. But I went with Eve Best as Rainix because I never really truly knew where she stood on anything. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I can I can live with that. So that's the reason I ended up putting her there. Uh, like I said, even up until the very end here, I mean, at one point you think she's for Rhaenyra and, and she's not completely for her, and then she reveals herself that yeah, okay, then I am. And they look, they play all that out and they they explain it all. Right. Uh, but nevertheless, they never like I said she's she seems to always be changing. So, uh, the Monica is an important character in the show. Not necessarily your favorite, not necessarily a person you hate. It's just an important character that plays an important role. Who is your Monica for the show? So uh, this is where I went with the original Allison and Renera okay. of Emily Carey and okay, Millie like Alcock. Uh, they, they were fantastic, and if they weren't so good, this show doesn't make it. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I like that pick. I went with this is where I went with Matthew Needham as Larry Strong, uh, just because it's he seems to be the person who's kind of driving and yeah. directing Alicent. Uh, you could kind of put Sir Kristen in that as well. He, but it seems like she more steers him, and La- yeah. Laris steers Alicent. If that makes any sense. So, well, Sir Christian's coming up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm sure. So let's take let's go to our last award, which is the Ross, the least favorite, the person you enjoyed the. Hey, look, it could be a per- character you didn't like because the character was just despicable, and you're supposed to not like him, or it could be because they, they were portrayed poorly. Who is your or Ross for this uh, season of House of the Dragon. I'm going to Despicable, and we got three here: uh, Christian Cole, yeah, uh, Aegon, and Otto Hightower. Yeah, the, really the biggest villain of right. them all. Yeah, I, I didn't put Aegon in there. I just didn't see enough of him. I mean, obviously he's awful and he's despicable. I mean, he likes it's going in to, his face. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he likes going to 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 child fight clubs and he has as many children all over the place and he rapes people. So I mean, he's obviously in there, but I just didn't see enough of him. Uh, the person, the two I went with is Reese Fons and Fabian Frankel as Otto Hightower and Kristen Cole because they're just awful. They just absolutely are. Oh, I thought that was Amon that went to the. Well, Aegon is the one who actually. Visited and like actually. Oh, s- I meant Amon. Oh, Amon. Okay. Yeah, Amon. Yeah, Amon is one. Well, you I could mean. throw Amon in there with Aegon. I mean, they yeah. Let's throw. Let's throw. Let's throw. Let's throw the brothers in there. Yeah. 
and and grandpa and their and their uh, protector. Yeah, their protector. Yes, yeah, like I said, they're all absolutely the greens. Horrible. The greens. I, you know, I find uh, people say that they make it in the book that it's a little bit less black and white in terms of like this isn't a black and white show. I mean, I think they have. It took me a while to figure this out, but it came pretty clear once they they got the adults involved in this that. Rhaenyra and her side is the technically like the good side and Allison and her side is like the bad side. Uh, like yeah. it's, it's not quite cut and dry, but I think it came pretty clear that by the time we got to the end of this episode, the end of this show, that that's kind of where they want you to be rooting for. They want you rooting for Al for Rhaenyra and her side and not rooting for Allison and her side. Like I said, it, it takes a while to get there. And maybe that's, if you want to level some more criticism at it, maybe that's one other area where you can level criticism. You really never, it takes a long time to figure out who you're supposed to be rooting for in this show. So, all right. Uh, finally, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we do a rating. And at the top of our list is Game of Thrones. Beneath Game of Thrones is Lost. Middle of the Road for us is Friends. Beneath Friends is a full house. At the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch. We have both had this at a Game of Thrones pretty much since like the middle of the season. Are you sticking with it or are you going somewhere else? Man, I'm sticking with it. This, this, is, this show's been just incredible. And to live up to all the expectations yeah. and all the you know concern, right? Because of the finale, they pulled it off, yeah. and I loved every minute of it. Yeah, Game of Thrones. I'm with you. I, this show has been really good. It has been good from start to finish. There has been, you know, there's there's obviously things along the way that you can point out as criticisms and we talked about those things in the past no show is perfect and like i said this to me is a game of thrones look game of thrones itself wasn't perfect it ended terribly there's no yeah. question about that but overall that was a great show it was a fantastic show it's one of the it's going to live up to be one of the greatest shows that we have ever seen and look, I don't know if this is going to end up being one of the greatest shows we've ever seen. We still need to see a few more seasons of it, but yeah. it is on track and it is on pace, if you ask me, to be that. I know there are some people who are pretty adamant that it's not, but I, I don't share those same opinions. I think this is going to yeah, end up being a, a fantastic show and it's going to be an absolute, it's going to be remembered well long after it's done. Good change, obviously. We're one season in. We, we got, I'm assuming they'll do at least three or four if not more than that so we'll, we'll have to kind of yeah. wait and say so all right so that wraps up our first season of house of the dragon uh but before we go we do want to do recommendations some things that we are looking forward to uh some things that we have watched and are wanting to pass on to our listeners so do you have any recommendations this week i have two okay and they're both on uh hbo max okay so the first one is uh an actual a movie from 2013 starring Vince Vaughn called Delivery Man. Okay. I, I missed this movie. Uh, it is actually really good, heartwarming, funny. It actually also stars Colby Smulders and a pre-Marvel Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt. Okay. So this, is, this has to be right before that. Yeah. He is, uh, he is uh, Vince Vaughn's best friend and uh, disgraced lawyer. Okay. And who has like 10 kids of his own. And it's a story about a guy that um, was, went to a sperm bank about 600 times and come to find <laughs> out he was the only person they used. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so he has fathered 600 and something children, but it's Vince Vaughn, man. And he, it's, you know, he's trying to be a good person and it's actually really funny. I'm, I'm shocked. This movie hasn't found a audience on a, on a streamer like Netflix right. or something for this, but it's on HBO max. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I, I, I recommend it. And like I said, Chris Pratt is really funny and this is, he's, you know, this is pre-ripped Chris right. Pratt. Yeah, because uh, he was not so, always the the no, in shape, no. you know, built guy that he right. is now. Yeah, and it's funny to watch him next to Vince Vaughn because honestly, Chris Pratt usually towers over people, right. and Vince Vaughn, you forget, is it's like, like six six, six or something. Six, yeah, and he is towering over Pratt, <laughs> so it's kind of funny to see that. True, that you forget, you just forget how huge Vince Vaughn is. Right, you do. <laughs> but uh, this was like one of his last. Uh, unfortunately studio comedies and i hate that because it's actually really funny and vince vaughn he you know he's probably uh, close to mid 50s now or early 50s yeah he's gotta be he's just 
He's he's sitting there. I know he's about to do something on Apple TV that he's like a detective series right. in Miami. That that has promise. He is just waiting there. Just send him more roles. There's yeah. more. I like that show, that movie. He was in the Freaky Friday horror movie, Freaky. I think it's on HBO Max, too. It's okay. very good. I would work it, but yeah, I, Delivery Man. I was actually surprised. Okay. My second thing is this is actually based on a Netflix uh, documentary called The Staircase, but HBO Max did a miniseries called The Staircase earlier in the year, and I watched it. Loved the Netflix documentary. I gotta say, the HBO Max, HBO Max is really good, and it's pretty much you know based on, and they right. keep the script. Colin Firth is the very bizarre Michael Peterson. Uh, Tony Collette is his wife that is uh, murdered by either him or some someone else or potentially an animal. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> and uh, my, the great Michael Stuhlberg, if you look him up, uh, he's you would know him from Doctor Strange. He's the other doctor. Uh, okay, he shows yeah, up yeah, for a second. Mm-hmm. Fantastic actor. And everything he's in and uh he he's like the third lead oh sophie turner from game of thrones is in this as okay, well cool. Re- really good it's uh um if you like the netflix documentary i think it's fun and dude anytime you can see uh all, all actors like tony collette and colin firth going at right. each other i mean it's just a blessing so thank you <laughs> hbo max the staircase i would i would watch the documentary on netflix first and then watch this okay all right so i have two as well so uh in case you didn't know the balance of the power hierarchy in the uh, dc universe was supposed to change this weekend and you know I watched it, and I, look, I saw Black Adam this weekend. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Black Adam. Uh, I went and watched it, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know what to do with this because I was like, do I recommend this? Do I not recommend this? Because there are parts of this film that are really good, and you'll absolutely enjoy it. Uh, there's obviously a, an audience for it. If you go into Rotten Tomatoes, it has like an 85% among audience members. Now, critics are killing it. They're, it's like a 40% yeah. with critics. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that works really well, but there's a lot of stuff that really does not work really well. It's two biggest issues that I had with it. I'll just tell this. It does this thing that most superhero movies do. It tries to do a lot of jokes, and I just didn't find many of them funny. I I didn't find many of them funny at all. Uh, My theater probably had like 30 people in it, and I didn't hear any of them laughing either. Uh, So, like I said, the humor, I think, is just not... I don't think the humor worked. I, I just really don't. I don't think it was working at all. The other issue is one of the things I like about a uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, one of the things I like about all of my favorite movies that he's been in, has been he is such a charismatic, charming dude. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. just who he is. Mm-hmm. In this role, he, he gets to be that a little bit on occasion, but this anti-hero brooding, yeah. that's what he's supposed to be in this. And so we don't get a lot of that with with this particular role that he is in. Uh, like I said, that's the two biggest complaints that I had. Uh, I, look, I will say this. There's, there's, like I said, there are a lot of parts of it that work really well. Uh, Pierce Brosnan in this is fantastic. Oh, he is. Oh, I was excited to see he was in this. Pierce he, Brosnan always brings it. Well, my thing, when I first heard that Pierce Brosnan was this, because he's probably about 70 now, somewhere around there. If, oh, uh, yeah, gotta be. Uh, gotta be. When I heard that he was in this and he's doing a superhero movie, it's like, He's just got to be getting a paycheck. I can't imagine that he's really, truly that excited to be involved in this. But he just kills it from the well, moment. You know, it's, it's like Michael Douglas and Ant-Man. No, you're right. He, you he kills it as well. Yeah. yeah. You make a point. But he, he, him playing in, in as Dr. Fate was just... It was just phenomenal. Uh, like I said, and look, I mean, we do have Harrison Ford coming. Yeah, that's true. Potentially for paychecks. So. <laughs> you, you're correct about that. Premonitions <laughs> could be correct on some point. That may be. That may be true. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping Harrison yeah, Ford yeah. kills it in that role that he's getting ready to take on. But uh, look, look, Dwayne, look, Dwayne Johnson is not bad in this film at all. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it is the best use of his talent, if that makes any sense. I think he does a really yeah. good job as Black Adam. I really, truly right. do. I just think that it is not. It doesn't use his roles real well. Look, I uh, like I said, I loved, uh, I loved Pierce Brosnan's character, the girl who plays Cyclone in this, who is part of the Justice Society. I thought she was really good as well. 
Uh, Hawkman, I was less convinced by, and I really was just was not a fan of Adam Smasher. He's part of the. He's kind of. He kind of comes in with this as one of the comic relief parts, and like I said, a lot. Of, I thought a lot of his stuff fell flat. But uh, now, who is that? What was the guy's name? Uh, Adam Smasher. He's that's the the character oh. that he plays. Okay. Uh, and so I was like I said, I was struggling. Do I recommend this or not? And here's the thing. And Rob Hadway, our our buddy uh, from Twitter when I posted kind of my quick review of it on Twitter, he said, so this is basically Aquaman too. Got it. Look, I think that's a great thing. If you liked the original Aquaman, if you saw the original Aquaman and you liked it, you'll probably like this too, uh, because it has a lot of the same things. Aquaman has a lot of really good parts, has a lot of really bad parts, but overall it's entertaining. And that's kind of what this film is. So that is my suggestion to you. If you liked Aquaman, Go watch this movie. I'll recommend it. If you didn't like it, don't go watch it. So, uh, and if you're like, well, I never saw Aquaman, go on HBO Max and watch Aquaman. Yeah. And then you Aquaman can make it. Aquaman is great. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, so, Adam Adam Smasher is played by renowned Netflix uh, teen star uh, Noah Centineo. Yeah, Centineo. Yeah, so I, Centineo. So I know he's a big thing, so I can see why they added him to yeah. the movie. Like I said, I, I just didn't think his... Uh, the the jokes they gave him, I just didn't think they worked. They were okay. Look, I did like chuckle some throughout this whenever they a joke. It just wasn't the typical like really big laughs that I normally am associated with. So, uh, yeah. so that's uh, my... I was going to say... Shout out to The Rock, though. Open to $67 million yeah. in the I'm with you. I saw a lot of people giving this good word of mouth or like, right. hey, this is enjoyable. Don't listen to critics. Yeah. Like I, said, like I said, there was a lot of things I thought that they did really well. There was a lot of things I thought that didn't work. But overall, I came out of it entertained. I will say that. I mean, I was, yeah. I, I didn't come out of it thinking like, oh, wow, that was really bad. Or I thought, all right, you know what? I, I mildly enjoyed it personally. It, normally, with that type of enjoyment, I would prefer to just wait until it, it came out on HBO max and watched it then but like i said i was too intrigued to find out just what this movie is going to be yeah. because it was so hyped up by, by uh by the rock so uh like it that is my recommendation if you saw aquaman and you liked it go watch it if you didn't see aquaman i would hold off if you if you saw aquaman and didn't like it i would hold off because I, i'm not sure that you would like this one either if that was the case so uh my other recommendation i i very rarely go to peacock but i saw some previews and some reviews for this show called a friend of the family uh it is oh, yeah. it is based on a true story that took place in the 1970s of this guy who th th it takes place in utah and they are all uh they're all mormons and like these two families become really good friends and one of the uh, one member the the uh, his name is bob they just call him no, no, no it's not bob excuse me it's b and they call and he gets so close to the other family and he ends up kidnapping one of the the eldest daughter of the other family but this is when you hear people talk about grooming it this is a word that has lost a lot of context because so many people use the word grooming nowadays yeah. and it's almost lost its meaning if you want to really it know has. what grooming actually is Go watch this show on Peacock. It is, like I said, it's called Friend of the Family because this is what he does. He grooms this girl and she becomes very attached to him. And it's like, it, and she's like convinces herself that to like fall in love with him and all this type of stuff. Like I said, if you want to know what grooming actually is instead of what people throw it around in nowadays because everybody want to, they use it, it's almost become political. Uh, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. But it is a real thing that actually it does exist. Like I said, it's just lost a lot of context, a lot of meaning in, in today's society. But that's what it took place in, in this story. Uh, it is fantastic. It is hard to watch at times. But one of the the guy who plays B the 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 slime ball in this it is played by Jake Lacey. Uh, if you don't remember who Jake Lacey is, go back and watch White Lotus. Uh, he is to me becoming the king of the slime ball villain. I mean, just and we wondered if that was going to happen. We talked about mm -hmm. that. Like we're like, this guy has this character figured mm -hmm. out. He does. <laughs> Yeah, so it'll it'll be fun to see where he goes. Yeah, and like I said, he he is just so slimy and crummy and oh gosh, I mean, you just like he makes your skin crawl every time you see him on screen in this show and it is like I said, Jake Lacey credit to him for finding this in himself and he is playing it to a, 
uh, to a T at this point. I, like I said, it's just absolutely fantastic to watch him. Like I said, it's hard to watch. Don't get me wrong. This is a, it is a difficult watch because this is like a 12, 13, 14 year old girl. Uh, and they age her up a little bit. And they, and when they put McKenna Grace is like the teenage version of this. If you don't know who McKenna Grace is, you, if you saw Ghostbusters, yeah. um, what's the name of that Ghostbusters movie? Afterlife. Out. Afterlife. If you saw it, she she's played a lot of stuff. Yeah. She's, and she's fantastic too. So, yeah. uh, it is my recommendation. It's one of my recommendations. If you have Peacock, I would really recommend it. And if you, you know, if you, if you want to wait, it's not quite done where I think we're six episodes in. I think it's going to be 10. Uh, and you just want to do the free trial and just watch it and binge it for a week, wait till it's over and then go get it. And then, uh, like I said, it's, it's really, really good. So, all right. Uh, next week, let's just go ahead and talk about this. So house, of the dragon is over. Uh, we will still be coming to you though on Sunday nights because what's taking its place is going to be the speaking of white Lotus is going to be the second season of white Lotus. Yes. So it starts next week. If you haven't seen the first season, it's only six episodes long. Uh, They're all about 45 minutes to an hour. So go check it out. If you haven't seen it, then go listen to our podcast on white Lotus because we did a podcast on it uh, a while back, Uh, but we'll be covering it next week as well. So uh, we hope that you will check it out, but anything else uh, you want to add Ryan before we head off? You're go- just be it for the re- for the ride, yes, <laughs> for white lettuce, yeah. and it's worth it. It is worth it. But uh, I appreciate everyone joining us, and I can't wait to talk to you next time about White Lotus too, because God knows what we're about to see. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what road they're going to go down with that show for the second season, but I can't wait to find out what it is. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I will echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.